Hello, I'm your host, Aaron Ritmaster, and tonight I'm recording Diz Dad's podcast number 606 for Sunday, September 15th, 2019. I'm joined in the man cave by Chris Papchek. Hello, Diz Dads. Matt Hallbauer. Hi, everybody. And Michael Ty. Good evening, everybody. Now, tonight we are going to kind of try and summarize what's left of the news and rumors of, of the D23 event. We're now a month or so away from it. We've got a little bit of uh, analytic distance, so to speak, and, and get you some thoughts on the D23 news and rumors still hanging out there. But before we get into that discussion, I need to thank our podcast sponsor, Mouse Master Travel. Mouse Master Travel is an authorized Disney vacation planner, and Mouse Master agents would love to take care of the stressful parts of vacation planning so that you can focus on the fun. You can check them out at mousemastertravel.com. Before we get back to D23, let's throw it to Don Donfris for this week in Disney history. Hi, Disney Ohana. This is Don Donfris with your favorite segment, This Week in Disney History. Today for the week of September 15th. In 1958, the Disneyland Viewliner, a narrow-gauge miniature train, closes. It was billed as the fastest miniature train in the world. The Disneyland monorail would take its place in 1959. On September 16, 1984, the restaurant El Marrakesh opens in the Morocco Pavilion in Epcot. 2008, Disney World reveals plans for Bailey Tower at the Contemporary Resort. On September 17, 2004, Imagineer Raleigh Crump and comedian Tim Conway are inducted as Disney legends. September 18, 1928, Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse trademark application is granted. And in 1986, Captain EO opens at Disneyland. On September 19, 1966, Walt Disney gives what will turn out to be his last press conference. He speaks about the development of Mineral King Ski Resort. The project was stopped due to critics and environmental concerns. In 1989, the Library of Congress selects Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to be placed on the National Film Registry. September 20, 2011, Bob Iger and Tom Skaggs announce a long-term partnership with James Cameron to bring Avatar to the Disney parks. September 21, 2009, Disney launches the Toy Story Mania Wii game. It is the first game based on a Disney theme park ride. And in 2010, Tig Bell receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Well, that's it for this week, folks. Till next time, this is Don Donfris with This Week in Disney History. Thanks, Don. Your segment is always a treat. All right, so D23, uh, massive event, lots of news coming out very quickly. Um, we kind of have, have been talking about issues that came up at D23 and surrounding D23 really since we came back. Um, but I had each of you kind of identify as we were getting started here and before we started recording a story that stood out to you as your favorite or, or, um, 
you know, the announcement from D23 that you liked the best. So I'm going to throw it to Michael first to talk about his favorite D23 announcement, and that was a Disney Plus announcement. There were a lot of those. Yes, there were a lot of them, uh, but my favorite Disney Plus announcement was that Ewan McGregor is going to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, That was a project that was originally rumored to be a standalone movie that would fall into the lines of after Solo and with a standalone Boba Fett movie. And when Solo didn't perform well, as, as well as expected at the box office, um, that seemed to be put on ice and nobody really saw that one coming. Right. So that was kind of a, you know, a surprise announcement that, uh, among the new content that Disney plus was going to be bringing to us was this Obi-Wan Kenobi television show, uh, featuring Ewan McGregor playing that Obi-Wan role as he did in the, in the prequel series. Um, so, you know, Michael, that was your favorite announcement. Why? What made it your favorite? Um, just it kind of it blends in with with the Disney Plus. It seems it's a really heavy, heavy focus on so many different avenues. Um, it's kind of a friendly Star Wars face to some very new and unique and maybe edgier Star Wars type. Uh, intellectual properties with the Mandalorian and their unnamed movies that are coming in the next several years. And so it's kind of a good way to bring uh, casual fans or maybe you and McGregor fans that liked him in that role of Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi in <laughs> or to bring them back in. Okay. So that, it. that actually gives me the sort of entree I was looking for to ask Chris this question, which is how is it that if the prequel movies are so universally reviled or at least almost universally reviled how is it that people get so excited about this obi-wan kenobi series based on an actor you know essentially bringing forward his portrayal from the prequels i think people revile the 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 prequels for mainly the portrayal of Anakin and the addition of um, Jar Jar Binks, the Sith Lord. Um, (laughs) (laughs) However, no, honestly, I think Obi-Wan and Ewan McGregor's uh, portrayal was probably one of the highlights and the standouts. And people, people have actually, I believe been asking for his story uh, for some time. And so for them to come about and bring it to us in a different kind of platform, uh, you know, via, via uh, Disney Plus is is a smart move. The fact that, you know, people are kind of hyping this Mandalorian series when honestly, in my childhood experience, I, I could care less about Boba Fett. I, I, he was not a character that meant anything to me in the original series. He, he was a very small player. Um, the fact that they brought them in the prequels. And as and now going to you know base a ten part series around it with ten million dollar budgets per episode, yeah, they they're investing quite a bit. Um, so I would hope that they would do the same with an Obi Wan, who we actually know, um, 
and now, of course, we are f- roughly 15 years removed from the um, uh, Order 66. Last, yeah, yeah, yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> episode three. Um, I, I, my only thing is, is like, what do we know about Ben Kenobi? As far as he was a recluse on Tatooine and just overlooked. Uh, you know, uh, Luke for 20, 21 years. Right. Well, so that's, that's my, that's my next question, right? I mean, you're right. So the, the series ostensibly takes place in this gap between where we left Obi-Wan at the end of episode three and where we pick up with the story on Tatooine in, in episode four. But uh, Matt, I got to ask you, what 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 is there that's supposed to be so interesting about a guy who, at least at the beginning of episode four, claimed to have been living his life as a hermit since he, you know, was abandoned or or abandoned? Which direction it goes, I guess, is a matter of perspective. Uh, Anakin, oh, you couldn't have planned this better because I've given this a lot of thought. Um, what I've what I really want out of this, and I'll be happy, not necessarily with everything they give me. I want to be surprised. I don't necessarily want to get. Uh, what I'm looking for, but uh, something that I'm definitely interested in would be something like um, if you're into samurai movies, uh, stuff, something along the lines of like Yojimbo or Sanjuro, uh, a hero, the idea of, the, of a reluctant hero. We know Anakin, or excuse me, we know Obi Wan's a good guy, so it's not going to be a question of, uh, you know, he, he's a bad guy that happens to do the right thing. He's got this priority and his priority is to take care of this kid, make sure nothing happens to this kid that he plopped in this desert. I'm wondering if it's going to be along the lines of he's just trying to keep his head down. He's just trying to make sure every, this kid grows up. Okay. But he can't turn a blind. He can't stop. Tur- he can't turn a blind eye to awful things that are happening around him. And so I'm wondering if it's going to be uh, kind of a seven samurai. Maybe he's got to put a, a team together to defend a settlement, or maybe he's got to get involved when get involved with by pitting some uh, crime syndicates against each other to protect people or something like that. Um, I, I think that you could do stuff. I think it, I think that the pull there is going to be um, he's got to balance whatever is going on with this responsibility to protect Luke. Right. Well, here's the thing that's interesting to me is that that I think that it's a very interesting opportunity to set up a parallel, right? Star Wars series of films has always sort of, you know, thrived on this parallelism from, from um, you know, episode to episode. And there's a very interesting parallel available here between what was going on with Kenobi between the end of three and the beginning of four and what was going on with Luke between the end of six and the beginning of seven. Mm, That's a good point. Yeah. That could be interesting. It's it's a very, very similar situation in a lot of ways. Um, You know, we, we, we don't, we haven't seen, or we, I guess we've finally seen as of the last film, you know, that the moment for Luke, that was his turning point, right. That sent him to into hiding. Um, for Ben, we think we've seen it, right? We we know, we think we know what what sent him into personal exile in in Tatooine from um, you know the the end of of um, of three, but maybe we haven't, 
right? I mean, there's the there's the there's a whole possibility here that there's plenty of character development that he could circle around and come back, right? To his point of saying, okay, I've tried everything I can try. I've got to go back into hiding. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's some potential for really rich storytelling here. And the, the thing I'm most interested in and, the, and most excited about is the way that playing on that parallel between Obi-Wan's story and Luke's story can over a longer period of time, make Luke's story better, right? Because a lot of people complain about the way Luke is portrayed in Seven. And I have a feeling that once we see Obi-Wan's experience, it will maybe help people understand better Luke's response. That makes sense? Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a big picture guy. I like I like to see the the big picture in that sort of you know overall universe develop. So I'm excited about it. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to talk some more about um, Disney Plus here in a bit, but want to get back to the theme parks and and the sort of obviously most compelling piece uh, from the theme park world in D23 really seemed to be overall Epcot and all the news and things coming out from Epcot. And Chris, you said the story that you found most exciting, most compelling was the story about uh, the the attraction coming to the, the UK pavilion in Epcot. So talk to us about, you know, the, the, what you perceive as, as the story there and why it is that that is the story you find most compelling. Well, it's just one word. It's a it's a really long one. But if you all know it, you could say it with me. Super Now say it backwards. No, I'm just kidding. Don't you don't have to do that. Um honestly, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> it would be so ridiculous. In fact, I was there for the Broadway show and they said it backwards about thirty times in a row. It was absolutely <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Um, the announcement for the UK pavilion and having a Mary Poppins attraction was the most surprising thing that I was expecting when I was expecting something else. It was a surprise in of itself. The fact that they brought the legend himself, Disney legend, that is Dick Van Dyke, uh, to make the announcement. In fact, he didn't even make the announcement himself. <laughs> they just brought him out on stage to parade, parade him around. And Bob Chapek was like, okay, here's Dick Van Dyke and a couple of dancers from, you know, uh, a Broadway show of Mary Poppins. Okay, all right, thanks for that. All right, okay, so here's the announcement. So I was like, <laughs> I was so confused for the longest time. I was like, why Why are they out on stage? What is What is going on here? I, I have no idea what's happening. And then they show the poster for the Mary Poppins attraction. So now I say attraction loosely because I'm not entirely sure if it's an actual ride dark ride attraction I, I don't they were very vague on it and i feel it's in the very earliest stages right. of development so that's that's where i was headed next is this question of what exactly is this thing we know that it's an attraction we know it's for the uk pavilion we know uh, i believe we can say fairly confidently that 
you know, you, you enter the attraction through Cherry Tree Lane. So we know a little something about the queue at least. So we are getting like a new portion of the UK pavilion being built. We're going to get an actual lot. You could right. say it back does, lot. It does sound like of- we're going to get some kind of facade in that back section of, of the UK, um, which if you think about it, it makes a certain amount of sense because now that they're building this, this Ratatouille attraction at the backside of France and, and you've got the Skyliners going back there, it's like you kind of have to fill in back there or it's going to be a weird empty spot. Right. So we'll get, yeah, it's kind of funny as we're getting all of these, what would amount to be a movie lot <laughs> facade. Who does that remind me of as I scratch my chin uh, mm-hmm. curiously? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've actually been behind the Skyliner and the pavilions back there yeah. on those access roads as part of the Run Disney experiences. There's not as much space back there as as we think. Okay. Because Fair there's a little uh, ravine as you get towards the beach club. There's an intentional separation there. Right. Um, so, and there's there's not as much space. I'm thinking it's going to go where uh, the British Revolution plays in that little garden back there. Yeah. Oh, it's it, going to have to. I would think it's so. going to have sure. to take that away. I, I think it's going to be a combination of things because I think that that part of what will happen. And now we're getting into the speculation part, which is fine. That's the good thing, right? (laughs) I I think part of what's going to happen is we're going to get some reconfiguration. Um, You know, some of the retail is going to get kind of jiggered around differently. And, you know, all of that is going to get rearranged a bit to just to kind of make room and to to make it flow better. I mean, look, Imagineers, this is what they do, right, Is, is integrate new property, new things into the existing environment and without question every time they start doing it we all start hemming and hawing and getting upset and they're going to ruin the view and they're going to and then we see it when it's all done and when the construction walls come down we go oh nice yeah i just look at it from logistics because all that backspace that's there is so that they can resupply the countries and the retail shops and the restaurants and everything else it's their way of moving materials back and forth Right. And the question is if they, you know, whether they simply develop an alternative, right? Yeah. Um, You know, maybe they've got a more efficient plan that they just haven't shown us yet because it's not the kind of thing they share. (laughs) So, I mean, as far as it goes, it's going to obviously go in the back. We're going to have a nice little. Now, as far as the attraction, is it going to be a dark ride or is it going to be a walkthrough? All right. So that's, that's the next question. There are at least three possibilities here right one possibility is that it's a a full-blown you know dark ride attraction of some kind option two is it's just a, a walkthrough kind of experience um you know scenes and things that that you can walk through some sort of set pieces the right. third is that it's essentially a glorified meet and greet right that it's something along the lines of you know the the royal summer house on the other side in norway where it's an upgraded meet and greet experience where you know you get a a, a more permanent meet and greet for mary poppins maybe uh you know they add in i don't know a couple of giant penguins or something um, to, to round out the meet and greets and make it more there um there's even some speculation it may simply be a carousel um it better not just be a carousel. <laughs> so, what would work 
best. I right. Guess, so, would be the well, question. and 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 it's a balancing act because Michael's already talked about one of the balancing issues is is you've got to figure out what's going to fit in the space. There's the issue of cost because they're spending a huge amount of money on Epcot and mm-hmm. whatever they build, it, it's got to fit within the overall budget. And let's be honest, it's a little late to the game compared to the other things that are claiming budget space. That's I where I, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, that's where I really land on it is the money part because we're talking about, a, uh, you know, if we're talking about Mary Poppins returns, let alone the original, but we're what nine months out from Mary Poppins returns coming out. It didn't, really set the box office on fire. I mean, the fact that they announced it is awesome, but it also, it seems really late to the party. I mean, not to mention it's the fact that there is no Mary Poppins attraction in any, any of the parks is ridiculous, but the, you know, that we get that we get this remake or, you know, reboot new movie, whatever we get this new thing that comes out. It doesn't do particularly well. And then nine months later, we get an attraction. How much money are they actually throwing at it? <laughs> And I don't even think that this is something that's going to – this is definitely not going to be ready by 2021, which a lot of the stuff they're trying to have accomplished Mm -hmm. by then. I mean almost every announcement that they made um, that morning was stuff for 2020. I mean they are really putting a lot of heavy emphasis on being ready for Walt Disney World's as a whole for the 50th. And they said they're going to celebrate. Every park will have a celebration for the 50th. Now, however – what I'm thinking I'm looking forward to is we uh, they just had the 35th celebration for Epcot, what, two years ago? I think that sounds right. So their 40th will be on 2022. So you've got a lot of these things. Now, I'm sure they'll celebrate. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they'll celebrate the 40th with Epcot still no. falling Here, into the 50th. Here's the thing. Of- D- Disney, a while back, if you look carefully, stepped back big time from celebrating anniversaries of individual parks. Just because once they got to four parks at Walt Disney World, if you celebrate every five and ten year anniversary, you're constantly in celebration mode. Right. Oh, it's true. Like, so I was. So what they do? I was just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, for individual parks, they may do you know one day the, something special. They'll pass out a commemorative something. They may have a, a speech, but it, we're not talking about doing you know major attraction additions for every five or ten year anniversary. It, it, they just don't. They don't work that way anymore. It was. It was getting too expensive and cumbersome, frankly. Right. Like Disneyland's Diamond Celebration was a year long thing and sure. sixty was sixty was a big deal. And of course it's the original part. Now they well, and had it was resort I, wide. Right. And with I know was it two so two years ago they had a big thing and it was like a one day celebration. It was kind of a big deal. I remember all the merchandise that came out and everyone was so hyped about the thirty fifth for Epcot. Now the thing is of course Magic Kingdom is what started it all and <laughs> it started the resort so here we've got um i don't, I don't mean started it all it started walt disney world right, you know right. um <laughs> but you know i mean without magic kingdom we wouldn't have epcot so uh with with a the 50th definitely i mean i don't know when they're going to start it obviously it's october 1st of 2021 but they'll likely start it in the summer and it'll probably go through all the way till the next year. Right. And that will roll into, of course, the 40th of Epcot. Sure. 
but I, whether they make a big fanfare, I doubt it. The I, I guess the point of it is is that bringing out these major attractions on milestone moments might be something they try to strive for to make an added excitement. So I, I can I, see them doing that, but that let, that let, was the only point I was trying right. to bring across. Here, here's here's the the caution I would get about getting too excited about them shooting for specific target dates. Um, making specific target dates is really expensive because inevitably things run behind schedule. Things fall by the wayside. Things get, you know, you have a a supply issue here. You have a a key engineer out there, whatever it is, stuff falls behind. And I'm just going to pull up rise of the resistance for both parks uh, as an example. Well, and it it is an example (laughs) realizing that, you know, I mean, they, I, I would counter by saying, and, and look at Smuggler's Run on the other side, right? That's an attraction where they waited until really fairly short, if you look, uh, you know, fairly short window of, of announcing that it was going to be open before it opened. Because you know, they've got a lot of, of stakeholders to kind of keep happy with these major attraction openings, right? They've got travel agencies all over the world. They've got guests all over the world that are planning vacations around these major announcements. Months or year in advance, yeah. Right. And, and you know, ever since, at least since the, the test track debacle – when the attraction opened like a year and a half late. <laughs> um, Did it really? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Cause it opened and then had to close again because it didn't work. It, it didn't work at all. Yeah. So it didn't even kind of like, yeah, kind of yeah. like another park that recently opened up a major attraction a that has to. Sh- <laughs> a little bit. Well, and you know, I mean o- only a step better than, than, you know, rocket rods that was based on the same technology. Um, oh, wow. and we know what happened there. So, so they're really reticent to announce these dates too far in advance because the problem is once you commit to it, then you actually have to fulfill it. And that means paying overtime <laughs> and it means pulling people off of other projects to finish, which is, we know, part of what happened with Galaxy's Edge. One of the reasons, among many, that, that Runaway Railway is not opening until March is because they pulled bodies off of the work happening inside at at the Chinese theater and put them on uh, galaxy's edge. So, you know, anytime they, once they make a commitment, they, they've got to follow through with it and it's expensive. And when they've got this many projects going on at one time, that's what I'm saying with this many projects going on at one time, I think it's less likely for them to commit to milestone openings because it's just too expensive. There are too many of them. But I want to get to the the what I think is the better question, which is we've talked about there are at least four different possibilities here of what this attraction is going to be. So I'm going to ask each of you to give me – I'll give you the option of giving me two answers, okay? You can give me first what you want the answer to be for what kind of attraction it is, and then second, what you actually think it's going to be, all right? And those don't necessarily have to be the same thing. So Matt? What do you want it to be, and what do you think it actually will be? Shooting for the moon. I want it to be the uh, the Tony the the famed uh, Tony Baxter pitch, the thing that he the thing that got him in the door at Imagineering. Granted, that's dated, and that's part of the reason why it won't ever happen. Well, wait, it, it's um, dated; it won't happen. But but give people just a quick synopsis of what that was. 
so what I the main thing that I take away from it was that it was a carousel. At least that's how it starts. It starts as a carousel, and then the horses come off of their positions on the carousel. It's essentially a jolly holiday ride. Right. It would be it would be a jolly holiday dark ride that starts looking as a normal carousel that turns into this dark ride experience. Um, I th- something like that I think is really what I want it to be. All right, and what do you think it's what I think? What I really think it might end up being, and I don't even know that this is necessarily a bad thing because I was prepared to say it's going to be a carousel, but I'm trying to be positive here. Um, I think, and I think it could also be pretty cool if we get an experience along the lines of Enchanted Tales with Belle. I think you have a really good, a really good storytelling opportunity. Um, I've personally seen some really great interactions with Mary Poppins cast members. Uh, my daughter had a great one two years ago. Um, I, I think something like that could be a fairly budget-friendly solution that could have some really great experiences for guests. Okay, so so, so you're basically saying what you think we're actually going to get is an amped-up meet-and-greet, but one yeah. that's worth getting. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you think, Michael? Is he on the right track? Um, I... I'm in the same boat. I would love it to be a full on ride. I don't think we're going to get it. I think it's going to be some kind of meet and greet type setup, maybe with some chimney sweeps and, you know, some additional characters. But I think that's what we'll end up probably getting is not an actual ride because Epcot's going to have a lot of newer rides over the next two years. Well, that's true. It will. So, Chris, what do you think? What do you want it to be? What do you think it's actually going to be? Well, you don't bring Dick Van Dyke out for nothing if you're just announcing a character meet and greet. So, of course, I'm hoping for a full-blown dark ride attraction to uh, almost complete uh, the Epcot Pavilion, uh, the, the countries, because... You've got just a couple. You you have the Frozen Ride. You have the Mexico Pavilion with, you know, well, there was another hopeful announcement. I was expecting uh, a change in the Grand Fiesta <laughs> right, We're not going to get to there. We, we, we won't get there. No. However, however, I, I would absolutely hope that the UK Pavilion is, is quite large. There There is quite a bit of space there. Uh, I could only hope that they would make room for the sort of thing that would require an announcement bringing out a Disney legend like that. Uh, do I think it's going to happen? The amount of money they're investing in the park itself, I almost want to believe that that is actually going to happen. And I'm going to, I'm going to double down and, and assume that, a full-blown dark ride attraction will be coming within the next four to five years uh, within the UK Pavilion. It is it is a popular pavilion. I mean, many people visit actual UK, um, so then to see it in Epcot, I, I think it would it would deserve it. So I'm I'm shooting I'm shooting for the moon here on this one. I'm I'm hoping for a full-blown attraction. We still have Tony Baxter with us today so okay but 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 so I, I get it you're shooting for a full-blown attraction what do you think we're actually going to get I, i'm 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 gonna think we're gonna get it 
Okay. But it's not, but it's not going to come for four to five years. I think this is an initial announcement. The groundwork is only just being discussed. What now, of course things will change, but I think they're shooting for the moon too. I think they're going to go for it, whether or not it actually happens five years from now. I don't know, but I think they're shooting down the road for a full blown attraction in the UK pavilion. Right. Well, here's my speculation. I think that part of what's going on here is that as, as France is getting ready to, you know, wrap up the Remy attraction and open this new creperie restaurant, I think the folks at the UK look over on one side and see all this stuff happening in France. And they look to the other side and see all of these things that are coming to future world, which won't even be future world anymore. And they're saying, hang on a second. (laughs) We're about to lose our place. Um, And, and so I think I think that it's going to get a full blown attraction, um, and I think it's about balance, right? They're they're trying to to all of this work in Epcot is, you know, Epcot has been sort of a, a weird park of hot spots and dead spots, and I really think they're trying to balance things out better. And one of the things that helps balance it is to put real attractions in these World Showcase pavilions. So I, I think that they're going to get a real attraction. I also think that it's, it's going to have to be more than a meet and greet because frankly, they've got a meet and greet there in the garden. It's kind of a nice one, but you know, it's not, it's not worth the investment. They're not going to get enough marginal benefit from a meet and greet over what they've already got. So, so what do they have to do to, to be able to get a benefit? So I think it's going to be an attraction of some kind. Um, I would love for it to be the Jolly Holiday ride because I love the concept and I frankly think it's doable now. I think that that you know they've got enough different you know combinations of ride systems and projection systems and things like that 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 there are some things they can do that simply couldn't be done when when that ride was initially pitched. Um, that said, I could also see it being based on uh, you know flying with Mary's umbrella or, uh, you know, something along those lines, um, something that involves, you know, a more traditional dark ride that takes you through, you know, dancing chimney sweeps and things. I mean, I, I, I think that, that ideally we get Jolly Holiday, but I think ultimately we will get a dark ride of some kind and that, that it'll, it'll do justice to, the film, but more importantly, help keep the UK from kind of getting lost in the shuffle as France gets all these upgrades. But that's just me. Uh, all right. So, um, moving back then out of the parks for a minute, um, we have another, uh, uh, Disney plus favorite story and Matt, you know, as he's mentioned already, kind of comes to this as a Marvel fan first, a Parks fan second. So, Matt, you said you were excited about the the Marvel shows the for Disney+, yeah. Plus, and, and specifically about some of the casting. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, so the new shows they announced are 
things I'm I'm all into. Uh, they announced She-Hulk. Uh, not a character I've ever read closely, uh, but definitely someone who I've read She-Hulk books from time to time. Uh, that's an interesting. That's some interesting possibilities there because one, I thought all the She-Hulk and all the Hulk characters were all tied up in a Universal uh, contract in terms of rights. So maybe that just applied to just movies, and maybe there's a gray area. I don't know. I just find that weird minutia interesting. But uh, that's a character that has been done um, in a very fourth wall breaky way, sort of like Deadpool, but before before Deadpool. Right. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. And then the other two are characters that I've read uh, runs of recently, and I'm uh, very not very, but I've been invested in, and that's Miss Marvel, um, who is a teen hero. So you get kind of get that um, you get that 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 Spider Man vibe. Um, but through um, coming from a different place, coming from a a Pakistani American teenage girl, as opposed to, you know, Peter Parker. Right. Uh, That's, that's a book that's got, that's that I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do with her. Cause that's a great character. And then Moon Knight is Moon Knight's going to be interesting. Cause that is a character that uh, can just be flat out weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so like, that's something that's going to be, that could have be more like the stuff that we saw on Netflix. You saw who they cast for Moon Knight, right? No, I had, when did that happen? That happened today or yesterday? Who they cast? Shia LaBeouf. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) You said weird. You said weird. You said it. You you said it. You, you could say what all you want, but that's weird. And I believe whatever. (laughs) That's weird. I'm not, I don't think I'm against that. That's bananas. That's let's I'm let's I'm into it. Let's go for it. That guy, Mark Spector's nuts. Shia LaBeouf's nuts. I'm in. I'm let's go. (laughs) I want to see that, that weirdo talking to a giant bird skull and pretending it's the God Khufu. I'm into this. Already talking to giant robots. So, you know, ready, (laughs) ready. Oh no, that's great. Oh, okay. Wait wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, this is for the moon night. The Moon Knight show, and you're saying that that there was news that uh, I'm just trying to look here and see. I, I, I'm just looking for confirmation of of that casting. Being I to star as Moon Knight, I'm not seeing anything con- confirmed, but I whatever, let's do it. They, they were they were talking about Robert Pattinson as Batman before that was official. Let's 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 will this into existence. <laughs> I'm telling you, I saw it today announced. So I don't know who it was, but I saw it come through my news feed. Uh, well, now here's the thing: I've seen Shia LaBeouf because this is what I was just looking at. I, I've seen Shia LaBeouf listed as one of the people that was speculated as being perfect mm-hmm. for the role. Um, along with some other folks. Um, but I, I, I've looked, I haven't seen anything actually official yet. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that that's, that that's news as opposed to rumor at this point. Um, you know, basically I, I like to see it on deadline or, or someplace like that before I trust it. Um, All right. So we'll, We'll we'll throw it under the rumor then under. <laughs> I yeah, as I, I saw it was announced, my I uh, 
I got excited because I was like, hey, that's I have absolutely no clue about Moon Knight, uh, but I was like, hey, I know about a casting, and it's <laughs> only just a slight rumor. <laughs> there is a change.org petition to uh, have him cast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good and I, I've seen him on the top of some people's lists of people that they think should play him. Um, but, you know, as far as I know... I mean, he played in a movie called Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, that's close, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Deadline doesn't have anything since uh, since August 23rd. Um, so I don't think we have an actual character yet. Oh, uh, at this point, we're just going to will, guys, we're just going to will it into existence. We just got to believe. Yeah. Well, that, that's I mean, another, you know, look, at, at some point we should have been a part of the Disney family before. Sure, so sure. they'll bring them back in. Why not? Sure. Um, all right. But, but the important thing is that, that you're right. There's some interesting characters. It's some more adult types of characters. You know, She-Hulk is, is not really a kid character. I mean, what, what is interesting no. to me is, is two of these characters really more than two i mean if you count winter soldier there are at least three of of these disney plus marvel series that are built around characters that have significant psychological flaws psychological damage going on Mm -hmm. um you know i mean she hulk is is really unstable at least at the beginning um before she kind of gets comfortable being a hulk Mm -hmm. and Winter Soldier has the world's worst case of PTSD, um, and and Moon Knight is literally being driven insane by the fact that he's a superhero, basically. Yep. Um, so that that's all pretty pretty dark and adult twist on on Marvel superheroes. Really, in some ways, even even you know a different kind of dark, I guess, but but certainly as dark as. Uh, we got from Netflix from Netflix. Yeah. There looks like they're kind of scoping out, uh, some similar subject matter, even though they're probably not going to go as hard to the, uh, the R rating or the, what, how do they, how do they, I'm trying, I'm trying to, how do they actually, I think they called them mature, mature. Yeah. The mature, mature audience ratings yeah. on, for the, the the older Netflix shows. Now the other the other thing that I was excited about, and this wasn't it wasn't new news in terms of a new show, um, but in the in the in the run up to D twenty three, there had been uh, speculation or maybe leaks about what the substance of the Falcon and Winter Soldier show was going to be, and one of the things that had come out was um, you know, with the events of uh, Endgame. Spoiler alert. Um, with Sam getting the shield with the idea of him becoming Captain America, that that would not sit right with some people and that that would be a plot point. The hesitance of whoever the powers would be uh, in the MCU at this point, the, whoever the, the hesitance to have Sam Wilson as Captain America, that that would be um, a plot point in the show. And I had speculated, Oh, I wonder if they're going to do us agent who is a, um, a character that, took over for captain America when one of the, one of the many times that cap called it quits. Right. Uh, and then lo and behold, they announce, uh, Wyatt Russell is going to be playing John Walker, who is the character who we first know as super Patriot, a super powered wrestler, <laughs> uh, who then becomes the first, not the first fake captain America by any stretch, but he becomes a fake captain America. Uh, and then later on becomes, um, 
newest agent who has a very rad costume. I am nerdily obligated to point out. So I was extremely <laughs> excited. I was extremely excited about that announcement because a it's because a I one I called it, and two, it's something I do really want to see because those are arcs that I have a, a lot of fondness for. I feel like there's a lot of room they could do some interesting stuff with it. So. Um, yeah, that's, that was the stuff I was really excited by. And then all the weirdness about whatever the hell's going on with WandaVision. Well, and that's the thing. I I can't believe I talked about these other characters with psychological damage and didn't get to WandaVision, which, you know, y'all have heard me, I think, say before on the show that, you know, the, the background of, of Wanda and Vision continuing their relationship. I mean, the, the, the West Coast Avengers storyline from the comics where they continue their relationship is Wanda goes completely bonkers because of his death and in her grief creates an alternate reality in which they're married and have children. So, I mean, if they're going that direction, which it kind of feels like they are by calling it WandaVision and having that whole 50s set piece, right? It's kind of a an idealized world. The whole, the whole Disney Plus MCU is psychologically damaged. <laughs> well, and I think they've said that um, uh, Scarlet Witch is going to be in the Doctor Strange sequel, right. and so does does any of the weirdness that we're going to see in WandaVision, like where does that line up with? Where does how does does that lead into? Yes, you know the first, you know, right. You know, horror themed Marvel Marvel it's, movie. It's supposed to go directly. Everything that happens within that show will tie directly into the events of the Doctor Strange sequel, and that's why I had stated in the last time we uh, talked about MCU was that's the one I'm most excited for. Uh, seeing this horror film of Doctor Strange and coming about, and seeing how they're going to tie in Wanda and. And, and Scarlet Witch and in in what they're going to bring in with the multiverse and the oh and well I'm excited for a certain movie about to come out here this week <laughs> uh, about <laughs> tomorrow actually I will be seeing it so um, uh, I'm really hoping that they they do it justice and um, I mean they're really going to make it tie in that you you have to watch Disney Plus like it's it's mm-hmm. going to be a must see thing in order for you to connect. Unlike Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has always been kind of its own separate thing. I mean, it ties in slightly. Well, they, but they started to, he, and then they gave up on it. And and I think it was a weird situation where as much as they wanted to make it fit, you know, the, keeping the, the programmers and the advertisers happy prevented things from lining up right. You know? Right. You, you couldn't so, keep everybody on the same page. No. So with these short uh, – all of these – all of these Marvel shows that they're going to bring to the streaming service are going to be very short series. They've already said that the, the, the Falcon series is only going to be six episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, they all might only be six episodes that somewhat will tie into future movies. Uh, We know for a fact that the WandaVision uh, series will tie in directly to Dr. Strange. Whether or not the rest of the others will tie into future Avengers films uh, is not been confirmed. Um, but f- with them telling us that, hey, this six-part series will tie into the movie, that's something I you you can swallow easily. 
you know, it's not going to be a seven series arc that will tie in directly to the movies that are happening in, 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 at release. Um, you could you could sit and watch. I mean, we've right. all binged other well, streaming uh, services. Well, wait, for, but you've, you've said the magic word. Here's yeah. the other piece, right? That they kind of have let dribble out there without making a big deal out of it. They're not necessarily releasing these in binge format. And I don't know that yet either. Right. They, they have not they've specified. Talked, well, they've they've at least hinted that at least some of these shows are, are intended to be released serially. Right. So it'll be like Hulu or Amazon. Exactly. Or... And you'll get a week at a time. Um, and, and maybe even, I mean, theoretically with some of these shows, you know, if they want them to line up with MCU films, it could be a month at a time, right? They could pl- you know, drop them whenever they need to, to make them fit in, which is what I'm saying is the flexibility they didn't have with ABC. What I think is so interesting about these is that, that ultimately what they're doing is introducing a different kind of storytelling. Um, because one of the things I think that they've discovered with, with certainly the, the whole, you know, infinity war saga and the whole end game thing is that at a certain point, there's too much story to tell, to fit it in a traditional movie format. You know, there's a reason that comic stories were once upon a time serialized, that's that's the way this this art form developed was for these to be, you know, kind of doled out over time, ending in a cliffhanger that leads you into the next episode, and and by doing these sort of capsules of series that they they're going to dole out a little bit at a time, in in and doing it with very high production value, they're sort of rebooting the old school serial. Um, in, in what I think is a really exciting way that allows them to do storytelling that you can't do in a movie that only comes out every two years. But that's my rant. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm into that. I, 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 I think there's a lot of potential in, in moving to that kind of like, you, cause like you said, there's the expectation for Marvel movies, I think is going to be weird. I think everyone you know, took not everyone. I can't speak for everyone. It seems like people liked far from home, which was a step back from, you know, the scale of storytelling we had been seeing, you know, with the run up to at least the last two big Avengers movies. Right. Um, Maybe this is the way of replicating that kind of longer form storytelling. You know, they're recognizing we can't do this. We can't, we can't, keep doing this in the movies because of just by the nature of the story we're telling, we need to kind of stop and reset, but we can tell this kind of story in this, you know, in this, this right. new Avenue. Well, that, here's, that we here's have, the other that thing have. to remember at a certain point when they, when they make these three hour films, they, they limit their own box office potential mm-hmm. because I know that with Endgame there were issues if at the height of it where the the exhibitors couldn't couldn't fit any more shows in because it took that long to run the right. show, clean the the auditorium, and start a new show. Um, you know they were all running on extended hours and all this stuff just to try to fit enough showings in to to you know reach these numbers that they reached. So you know it, it, it's interesting to me that they they had to 
you know, stand on their heads to do one three-hour film to tell this endgame story, whereas they can tell six hours of story in a six-episode, uh, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier film, which is essentially what it is, a, a serialized film. On a much smaller budget. Not that much smaller. I mean, yes, smaller, but but not as as much smaller as it seems. Right, because because a big piece of the lower cost is that they don't have to do movie style promotional work for it. No, not hardly at all. Even in so, fact, they could probably just stick to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what Netflix does. You don't really see much of advertisement. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, just about. So, I mean, they save a ton of money on the promotional side of things, and and yeah, the production cost will be somewhat lower, but. One of the reasons it's lower is because you do everything at once, right? You 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 know you you collect enough footage for six hours worth of content in you know one extended uh, uh, shooting Shoot. schedule. Yeah, you know, in, instead of having to to stretch that over multiple years and dealing with aging and de aging yeah. people to make it fit and all these other things. So, yeah, when you keep a smaller cast and you have the ability to reuse sets that have been built and yeah, over time. Yeah. That, that, that factors into a much smaller budget per, per, you know, right. hour yeah. per se. Exactly. You know, you, even if they spent 10 million, like they, like I've, I've heard them say they're spending on the Mandalorian. If right. they're spending $10 million per episode for these Marvel shows, that's that's such a minuscule amount compared to what they spend on a two-hour movie. You know, when they're spending two hundred. Now I know what Far From Home was one hundred sixty million, where you have a three-hour movie of Endgame, which was estimated at about three hundred and fifty-six million, I believe. Right. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. They're they're spending less than they you know, they would on a on a you know on a film. But again, some of that is the difference of producing something to be shown on 70 inch televisions instead of 70 foot screens. Right. Well, and, and the actors you're bringing to these shows aren't demanding necessarily demanding the budgets of what Robert Downey Jr. would bring, you know, right. and although they haven't shied away from employing the people who already own the characters, so to speak in their universe. So, right. I mean, they'll pay them well, they're very well off uh, and they're doing, I mean, they've made the characters who they are today and the popularity depends on, how they're portrayed. So they're worth, you know, what they bring to the table. And I, I can't say there's only probably one character that anyone has about argued over as far as casting. Everyone else loves everything they've seen on screen. So. All right. Uh, so, so anyway, I, I think we're all excited about what's happening with these, these Marvel shows and, um, a, a lot of potential here. Still some questions, but, but certainly mostly excitement to see it all start here in a, just a couple of months. Um, all right. I do want to move ahead. Um, I don't know that we're going to be able to fit in everything that we had talked about wanting to talk about, but, um, you know, there were several of us that had as, as, things we wanted to, to talk about here in the wake of D23, this overall reimagining of Epcot. And we've talked about it a little bit with the UK pavilion attraction. For me, it was that overall story of the reimagination of Epcot, because in my view, it's long overdue. 
Um, I know there are a lot of people lamenting that they're giving up on the original, you know, Walt's original vision of Epcot. My perspective on that is I can understand being upset that that isn't going to happen, but I think that it's time to accept reality, which is that it's, it's simply not feasible to make that happen the way they wanted to make it happen. Future world, Tomorrowland doesn't work because by the time you can build it and, and you know, design it and build it and pay for it, it's already not future anymore. It's already not tomorrow anymore. <laughs> so, so finding a different way to refocus, I think was critical to the long-term ongoing success of it. And, and I really like the concept they've come up with. Um, so, so, you know, to me, that announcement, to me, finally, there's a guiding principle for Epcot that was missing, right? We were seeing bits and pieces, and it was hard to see where things like a Guardians of the Galaxy coaster fit or where the the Remy ride fit. And for me, this new perspective, this new way of looking at Epcot gives it an organizational principle that makes sense and that works. So I'm excited about that. Um, and, and, you know, some of you, you know, folks kind of picked out some, some particular items within that, that we wanted to talk a little bit more about. So we're, we're kind of turning our attention to things that maybe we expected to hear about in D23 and didn't. And so there's still rumors out there. There's still speculation. And, and Matt, I'm going to throw it back to you again, because you talked about the kind of continuing rumors of some redevelopment still being potentially coming there for the Imagination Pavilion. Yeah, just, I mean, it's, I mean, everyone knows the state of imagination. And I mean, if, if someone out there is happy with imagination as it currently exists, I don't want to tell you you're wrong. Um, I'm glad you have a thing you like, but I, that's a bet. I, I don't, I never got the experience. I didn't see Disney. I didn't go to the parks until I was well into adulthood. So I don't have those, uh, nostalgic driven memory, you know, nostalgic driven motivations of wanting to see the parks a certain way and wanting it to go back to a certain thing. Um, I certainly understand the love for original, imagination and Dreamfinder and figment in their original incarnations. Uh, but even going in the way I did, I had that, that pavilions in rough shape. Um, it's just, and it's been in rough shape. I mean, it's for years. And so the, the fact that they keep dragging their feet on doing anything with imagination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. They're doing something wonder with wonders of life. All right. I'll give the play pavilion a shot. It's got a ducktails thing. I'm into it. Fine. Um, you know, they're, they're doing other things. It's just that they, you know, they, they won't touch, you know, do they, are they, do they not want to touch imagination until they've got something that's rock solid? Does figment still move that much plush that it's, it's sacrosanct up to a certain dollar amount? You know, is there, is it, where did, is there a tipping point and we'll finally see something done with imagination or, are other things just taking precedence, you know, as other, as other opportunities, you know, are, are you know, make themselves available. Why, why does imagination, why does it n- never seem to get the trigger pulled? Right. Well, okay. So since we're talking rumors of imagination pavilion and we're focused on the fact that we feel like something's got to happen there, um, Matt, pick a rumor, which, which is your favorite? What do you think 
speculating ahead. What do you think based on rumors? What do you think's coming to imagination? I mean, the smart money is on uh, inside out. I think that's, that's a, that's a fit. At least it's a fit for the name, but the name doesn't mean anything that, that pavilion could easily be turned into something else. Uh, I don't know that that until, you know, until something goes vertical, you know, until they, they close that thing for renovation. I don't know that, that, it's a, it's a done deal because maybe something else comes along. Maybe one of these other things that hasn't been released yet, by the time they finally get around to it, you know, takes precedence. And we never see the, <laughs> we never see this inside out version of imagination. It becomes one of the, you know, th- one of the things that goes back into the, into the vault. And then a decade later, they'll pull out a, a ride system from that and plug, you know, <laughs> plug it into something else. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, well, so sorry, Michael, that was a great non-answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Michael, I know you have a little bit different perspective on Epcot. So, what do you think about imagination and and um, sort of rumors I don't, of change? I think if you would have come at this maybe five to ten years earlier, absolutely, uh, it would have been on the block. Uh, but now that they have made Figment um, an intellectual property for all sorts of their different festivals, festival of the arts food and wine um you know figment all of a sudden is uh quasi escot you know you know cool cool yeah i mean it was this character that nobody knew what to do with for the longest time and then all of a sudden in the last 10 years it's kind of exploded and it's kind of gotten a life of its own and i think even though yes, the imagination pavilion needs redone. They don't know what to do with the theater attached to it. Um, if you try to take away figment out of the imagination pavilion, they would really, 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 um, people will be out with their, uh, pitchforks. Okay. Well, all I can say is all I can say is look across the way at Mr. Toad and see just how much they care about people showing up with their pitchforks. I, that is, I mean, that is, is anyone, true. Is anyone going to cancel a trip because they pull Thigman out of the parks? No, but he sells a whole lot of merchandise during all these festivals. No, to, yeah, I agreed. Agreed. I, I, I get that. I, I just. So does Orange Bird, and he doesn't exist in the park anymore. So I bet that they can continue to sell the merchandise, even <laughs> if he doesn't exist in the park. Yeah, the Orange Bird is also tied to the most delicious thing one can consume on Disney property. So that's, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little different. But I, I don't know. I mean, I really – I don't know what would happen. I mean, they've got so much going on right now and so many changes. You've got Journey of Water coming, which nobody kind of knows what that is. Walkthrough uh, attraction. Yeah, it's going to be a walkthrough, but they haven't expressed what it's going to be. You've got all the Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. You've got so many changes. I just don't look for them to change imagination anytime soon. Well, here, here's here's the thing, though. This is why I think imagination will get a change. Although, I agree, I think it's going to come a little bit later. I think it's probably going to come on the backside of, of the uh, the anniversary celebration, because I've said a couple of times on the show, they've got so much stuff that's being rolled out for the 2021 anniversary. At a certain point, you've got to start 
you know, holding some things back that you can do that even if they're not huge expensive redos are at least ones that get attention so that you can have something to market to people to come out in 2022 and 2023. Um, but I think that, you know, they made a big deal at D23 about this, this new, you know, these new designations, right? They're getting rid of the, the nomenclature. There's no more future world, right? Instead, yep. we've got World Showcase at the back of the, the park. And then on the, the land pavilion side, you know, it's land seas. That's world nature. The opposite side where Test Track and, and Mission Space is, is world discovery. And uh, the, the um, you know, the, the kind of the, the center area there, right, is world celebration. So with those themes coming together, at a certain point, I think they have to do something with imagination to blend it in with this new overall concept for the park. Because people, you know, if they want people to buy into their new concept, they've got to go all in with it too. And so to me, that that suggests that they need to do something with imagination that ties it in with world nature. And some people have argued that, that, you know, inside out does that because that, you know, it's, it's still sort of, you know, the, the, the human brain, right. Is an example of, of world nature, you know, life science kind of thing. Maybe I buy that. I don't know. I'm conflicted on that. Um, so I guess to me, what it means is that I think something Different is definitely coming to Imagination Pavilion. I think it has to. I think it's coming on the back end after the anniversary. And I think it's going to have to pretty explicitly tie into this, this concept of, of world nature. And, and how they do that is more challenging than I thought it would be initially as I look at it. Um, because I, I'm not, I know that the, the inside out concept is pretty well developed. I mean, as far as I know, they've got a, a design that's almost turnkey ready mm-hmm. based on the rumors I've heard. Um, but, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not, uh, what do you think? Is, is inside out something that, that they can roll out and, and comfortably put into this land and say, okay, this is, you know, this fits our, our concept that this is world nature. I think it's a stretch, um, but I think they could do it. I just, I, I, the renaming, the, the renaming of the, the, you know, the breakup of a future world into these new neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see how well they pull it off. It's a neat idea, I guess. Um, I'm not, I'm, 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 I sound negative. I'm really not. Um, I know future world had to go away and this is them trying to make do with what they have. Um, it, but again, yeah, it's the imagination doesn't really fit. It, I think it's a stretch. Um, and so I, that's, that's why I think maybe, that maybe if they keep putting the redevelopment off, um, I think there's a more, there's a chance that it turns into something else entirely that, um, it, it turns into something else that's more reflective of the, the, the new theme they're trying to push for the area. Otherwise, like you said, the, the inside out attraction has been rumored for so long and the rumors are that the, you know, it's pretty much it's, it's designed and they're just waiting for the you know word to, uh, you know, deploy it and start making changes. 
Right. So, so Chris, what do you think? Is, is imagination, you know, ripe for world nature or does it beg for something different? I think nostalgia is a big factor in this day and age, currently, especially uh, with everything at play. Uh, my only thing is if it's a strong enough nostalgia, does it really matter to the general populace of the fair going Disney World uh, patrons? <laughs> well, I mean, and here's, here's my thing I think ultimately, whatever we come up with, Figment will play a role in the thing about the, the, the bonus of the fact that Figment is essentially Epcot IP. He doesn't come from anything else is it doesn't matter what you put in there there. You, you can make Figment part of it. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily have to be tied to, you know, his origins of sorts. You know, you can just put him in there just to put him in there and people will recognize the, connection well I mean, uh, even and, yeah. if it's in, in if it's inside out i mean you know he 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 can be somebody else's you know manifestation of somebody else's nostalgia i mean he he can be uh, another alternative to bing bong you know yeah he, he, i just hoping they do inside out justice because what they did in disneyland was pretty tame and lame more so <laughs> the fact that they just rescanned a, an old attraction and said oh, okay here's inside out um give it something its own it, it definitely did for for what epcot was imagined to be and then even what it was in the 80s and 90s with what they did with inside the mind um and that attraction and inside the body, you know, things like that. I feel like you definitely need to pay some homage to that and, and include inside out and, and figment with it all and try to tie it in together and make something of it. And really, and then of course, really capitalize on this nostalgia culture that we're in right now. Um, everything is all about that. And if they can really capitalize on it early on rather than, you know, stretch it out, which probably will be in five years. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know if they will be able to strike while the fire's hot. If they're going to make any changes in that, in that area, it might be just a little too late. All right. So moving away from the imagination pavilion uh, rumor, I, I want to, before we wrap up here, I think uh, we, we need to touch on, I think one other, sort of major lingering rumor from, from D23, because this is one that I, I would bet that if you went out and took a survey on the day before the D23 event opened and you asked every fan in line to get into D23, whether the Brazil pavilion would be announced for Epcot, <laughs> 90% would have said, yes, it was going to get announced. And the event came and went. And there was not a word said. So, first of all, real quickly, I want to get percentages here. Give me your percentage chance that the Brazil Pavilion somehow we're not going to. I'm not even asking about when it when it would be announced, but that a that a permanent Brazil Pavilion will exist for the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary celebration. Just a percentage chance. Um, and let's go to Michael first. Uh, I'd say probably 25%. Uh, at best, 25%. Chris? 
What was that question one more time? What's the percentage chance that a permanent Brazil pavilion exists for the 50th anniversary celebration? Zero. 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 Absolutely. Two years from now, zero. Okay. Zero from Chris, 25% from Michael. Uh, What do you think, Matt? That's quite the range. Uh, I have to try to lay an answer inside of because I don't think it's going to happen. Zero is already taken. So let's go with uh, 0.9. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 0%, 0.9%, 25%. I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm going to say 75% chance. Really? I think it's happening. I think that the deal is done. I think that they held off announcing it because they had to get financial details squared away and there's enough uncertainty in Brazil that they weren't ready to make a final announcement and that once the Amazon fires are under control and news settles, the news cycle settles back down, they'll be able to announce the deal that's already done with whatever Brazilian corporation they've been working with. Um, So where's it going? I, I think it's going in the, in the existing expansion pad next to Germany. Yeah, um, that's what I'm looking at right now on the map. Yeah, that's yep. where it's going. Uh, I know everybody loves the train. The train's going to probably go away, maybe move someplace else. But um, you know what? The train has zero real capacity. It doesn't. It doesn't help. Wait, which? Hey, wait, there's no uh, people on, on the train. The, you're saying on the right side of the no, no, train? No, no, no. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that for traffic flow reasons, the train's going to go away. No, no. Oh. Oh, just because with the the massive amount of Brazilian. Um, just with more people coming to that part, side of the park. I mean, they, you they, know, that train, that train is like it's like the uh, it's like the Marlin <laughs> Speedway. They cannot afford to take that thing down. I don't okay. see that even <laughs> adding any capacity to the walkway at all. That would only okay. just put a well, bottleneck. Maybe, maybe it's my own personal issue. I'm sorry, it's difficult for me. Uh, what? Because it crashes all the time? No, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm overly sensitive to this, but I have to admit I have been creeped out from the very first moment that I noticed that there's a train exhibit next to the Germany pavilion and it just, the Jewish guy touring around Germany gets a little creeped out. All right. Fair enough. I knew you were going to go that route. (laughs) I can't help it. Fine. Fine. All right. Those trains do always run on time. Yeah. Um, Crash on time. But the the more important issue, um, I, I think it's happening and I think it's happening because I think they want the restaurant capacity in Epcot, which is a big piece for the for the fiftieth. I think it's happening because it, they've teased it as far as they can possibly tease it, and if it doesn't happen, they're going to have start having credibility problems with any other pavilion that they might talk about opening in World Showcase. Um, at a certain point, you've got to be able to close the deal. And so does the African village traders leave then? I, I don't know yet. Uh, we'll have to see what they announce, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that's, you know, we, we that have. That would be the entrance, right? Well, and, and we've got Disney's Animal Kingdom. We have Harambe. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's kind of, it's covered. Right. No, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, but would you say that brazil would have to come simply because one it is the 50th celebration and what is brazil most known for well carnival right i mean you've got a huge celebration party you've got great party you know atmosphere that you get from it you get music from it that 
they'll be able to play <laughs> off of. And and come on, we're getting a new a new show in Epcot that talks about storytelling through music and world music. It's kind of hard not to include Brazil because it's a great melting pot of music. Um, you know, you you put a, a Charoscuro restaurant in there. You start serving. You know, Kai, uh, can never pronounce it right. Caipirana. Drinks. You got to have a Brazilian steakhouse in there. Well, that's that's the Charskira. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a Brazilian yeah. steakhouse. Yeah. You know, you can do Brazilian street food out front that that's, you know, popular and tasty and, you know, meat on a stick basically. Um, I mean, it, it's it's too easy almost. Um, and and so I, I just I think it's going to happen and and I think one of the reasons it happens is that it's not that complicated. I mean, it won't have an attraction, so there's no ride to build. You're, you're basically building a kitchen and, and a dining room. And if you look just down the road um, next to the the mission space, you see that if they've got some space to do it, they can build a restaurant really quickly, even one that's very richly themed. I would say they would need to build a parade. That would be – That would be cool if they did, but I don't think it's going to happen. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. space thing. And a, a you know throughway thing. That's that's why we haven't gotten a new parade since they shut down the the parade of nations thing. Hmm. That would be a way to start it off, though. <laughs> it's true. It would be. <laughs> it would be. Hey, they uh, Disney announced one new parade for the whole darn thing. So I was excited for that at least. I was excited to see who they've now have uh, running it. So right. that was a pretty neat, neat announcement. We didn't even talk about that. Right, right. Well, go, so go ahead and, and mention that real quickly as we start wrapping. Oh, up. okay. Uh, so Disneyland is getting a new parade called Magic Happens, and has got a new uh, showrunner by. Uh, you might know him from YouTube fame um, uh, as of late, uh, but Tadra Call will be showrunning the new Magic Happens parade in Disneyland coming next year. Very cool. Um, so we, we barely scratched the surface of all the stuff that was going on at B20, D23, but we're, we're really, you know, at this point short on time. And I, I don't want to start a new topic because the next topic we started would be, be a pretty big one that I think this panel would go on, along with for a long time. So we didn't get to talking about the, the open questions still about the, the Star Wars Hotel. Um, which we now at least know is called Halcyon. Um, we we didn't get into the uh, sort of teased questions about what's happening with the now named Avengers Campus in uh, California Adventure. We we know what Phase One looks like. We got some hints at Phase Two, um, but but we were ready to speculate about that. So these are things we'll have to come back to on a future show. Um, for now. Uh, let's just do a, a quick wrap up with uh, go around and let each of you choose. Um, I don't know your your favorite thing about D tw- that came out of D twenty three that we didn't get a chance to get to here, and that we'll have to talk about another time. So, Michael, what's one thing about D twenty three that you liked a lot, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it? Um, I would say, oh, I don't know. I enjoyed the talk about the new parade and hopefully the speculation that a later evening parade would show back up at Disney world. But, um, that the fact that Disneyland is getting a new parade, hopefully we will start to see some new parades also filter over to Disney world from Disneyland. Okay. Uh, so 
the, the fact new, that the parade, parade came up at all and, and maybe yes. some rumor about, about Walt Disney World parade with, with Michaels. Um, how about you, Chris? Oh, on the spot. Oh my goodness. And I was there for the whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seeing it play out, uh, live in person. Um, Oh, uh, something that wasn't announced, uh, something I actually got to see live. I don't know if a view of any have heard, um, I have never seen anything myself in person, but I am a fan of Disney on Broadway. They did announce that they are bringing Hercules to yes. um, Broadway. So, oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. miss that completely. Yeah. So I'm really excited. They performed uh, some of the, the legends up there. One of the longest running Mufasa's and Nala's were present. Uh, the original Mary Poppins and Tarzan were there. I cannot remember the names. They escaped me. Um, uh, they they performed all the hits from all the Disney on Broadway, and then at the very end announced Hercules will be coming very shortly to uh, Broadway. So I'm kind of excited to see what they bring there because that's definitely one of the one of my favorites from my childhood. So and right. <laughs> I'm placing my age here for y'all. That was my <laughs> childhood still. <laughs> Well, for me, the biggest thing that we didn't really get a chance to talk about, um, I, I'm going to go back to what I was just saying. Um, you know, I, I would have loved to spend a little more time talking about Avengers Campus and, and you know, both what we do know and what we're speculating about with uh, phase two of Avengers Campus. It just drives me crazy that, you know, the only place we can get Avengers attractions in the United States is out in California. Um, I guess it's just a reason I have to get back out to visit Disneyland resort again, but, um, really exciting stuff and, um, plenty of things to talk about there. So, uh, I look forward to the developments on that, on that front and kind of watching more leak out about those over time. Um, all right. So with that all said, uh, I think we've got a, kind of wrap for now uh until next time i've been aaron ripmaster with chris papchek good night Diz dads i hope that we get a phase two of this version of our talk <laughs> michael ty everybody have a good night and panel show newbie matt hallbauer no wait i want to talk about moon Knight for the next 20 minutes what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> Our outro music is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLeod. Kevin makes his music available on his website, incompetech.com, and licenses it under the Creative Commons by Attribution license. Here's your attribution, Kevin. Thanks for the music. <laughs>